Oh, that was disappointing. That was pathetic. <laughs> that redo, was pathetic. Redo. Wait, no, we can just keep this one going. No, 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 redo, redo, because I have something that I want to say after it, but it's got to be impressive. This is 8-Bit, episode 30, a genuine Russian mail-order bride, on Sunday, March 31st, 2013. And now, bring us the girl. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Deck with guest Matthew Petchel. Pumba, <laughs> not in front of the kids. Sorry. Oh, we boy. Oh, God, why? <laughs> well, you Matthew, made your you choice. My... And now you have to live with it. At least I think that's what that was. I don't know what that ta- that smell was. Didn't taste well, different from. That's what we get for bringing Matt on the show. Yeah, I suppose. Hey, Matt. Oh, uh, hi. Thanks for having me on the show, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I always love being guests on different shows. I think you've been on one or two of our fringes before. But I've never stuck around for the show before. Yeah. I, was always, I had this phobia built up about games, you know. It's a, it's a pretty high-risk venture. I uh, know. You would never introduce me to things like, oh, cracked versions of Counter-Strike or Half-Life or anything like that. No, no, no. <laughs> you know who introduced me to a cracked version of Counter-Strike? Our uh, Guatemalan exchange student. You remember him? No. Okay. Oh, well, we, we. Yeah. No. Yours. That's right. Yours yeah. is kind of a lofty guy who never yeah. stuck around anywhere. Well, he wore Abercrombie and Fitch, so yeah. we expect. Yeah. We had Ugo. I miss Ugo. That's right. I actually thought about him earlier today. I was gonna hop onto Facebook when I got the chance and double check on him and see how he's been doing because I haven't talked with him in forever. Well. Do that after the show, I guess. After the show. You mean not right now? No, nah, not right now. But oh, we're right recording. Now. Right, yeah. Hmm. So, since Matt uh, is totally a first-time person on this show, never been on a podcast before, ever. Never, ever. You know, ever. and he doesn't know what's going on, we're just going to have to grill him with our interview questions. Sounds good. Do you want to start the grilling? Sure. Or should I start the grilling? So, Matt, how did you first get into video games? Uh. Well, I casually started playing when I was a child. Um, we had a NES out in the front porch, and we used to play cool games. We used to play Duck Hunt. And I became a professional gamer when StarCraft II came out. Professional, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I beat the that, demo. That, that, right. Yeah, there was that, a huge that, league in America. There we go. Yeah. Wait a second. I'm like, that, 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 that sounds like more BS than a uh, rancher shovels in the ear. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never actually bought into the StarCraft series. But I've heard it's uh, the only thing professional gamers play. Counter-Strike? Yeah, that too. Counter-Strike is professional too. League of Legends? Oh yeah, those guys. Uh, WoW World versus World? Well, like what about NetHack players and stuff? I don't think that was multiplayer. Was it multiplayer? No, no, like, um, I mean, all professional gamers play that. Like, that's a, like one of the greatest achievements you can ever get in the gaming industry is getting the Amulet of Yondor at the bottom of the 50th. Ah, yes. But what if it's the fake one? Then you have to get all the way to the top to find out. <laughs> so it was just SNES, and then you were done with gaming, and you haven't played a single game since then. No, um, after NES, um, N64, GameCube, Wii, and then uh, PC games. So I, I see a slight trend there. Nintendo, yes, mm. uh, that happened. Um, very. Like I, I bought an Xbox 360 as soon as I got out of high school. Like the summer of that, my parents were going out of town, so I bought an Xbox 360. Uh, I got Fallout New Vegas for it, and Forza Motorsports 2 
and I've played them both, and I haven't. My Xbox has been on like maybe thirty hours, and I haven't touched it. I don't. I don't play games on Xbox. Um, so is that part of like one of those deals where you buy a, a, a nice laptop and then they just give you an Xbox 360 to go with it? Uh, negative. Um, I would never buy a laptop that qualified because those all sucked. Because uh, mm. Microsoft really loved giving that deal to students who were going off to college. Yeah, um, but I I know my fr- my friend did and. He he didn't play his Xbox like uh, it's a really terrible system because you have to buy live like I never bought live and so you can do all these cool features with the Xbox you can connect to the internet you can watch Amazon Prime because I'm a Prime holder but mm-hmm. yeah even though you can download the app to to use it you have to be a live member just so you're you have alive. to be a live member to use Amazon Prime on it exactly that so is I signed in and everything ball. but yes I know I, I I don't like Microsoft that much and I never have. Um, there's, there's just not a lot I like about it. I mean, when I play Guild Wars, I play it on Debian. Um, like, I don't use any... That's supported? In Wine emulators, yes. Okay. Um, no, I don't have Windows installed on uh, any of my computers. All my gaming is done through Linux. Congratulations. Yeah. That's more work than I want to do. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool when uh, you put your computer to sleep while you're trying to do 3D acceleration. When it comes back, it will not be happy. <laughs> um, I've, I've crashed it. That's the only time I've had Debian crash on me, and I couldn't restore it. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, how I got into gaming. All right. What is your favorite genre? Uh, I've really liked RPG games in the past. Uh, you know, I, I kind of started with RuneScape, um, as we all did. Uh, all of us. And Icky. What was it, 47 or something? I don't remember. Uh, 747, I think. Cause, yeah. Oh my gosh, because I liked airplanes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I, I loved mining. I was always a monk miner. Yep. And uh, then I started playing other role-playing games. Wait, how can RPG you... Stuff a monk? Or... So you didn't do any of the three? Like, did you do? Did you use magic then? I, I used magic and swords. Mostly okay. swords. Okay. I learned if if you got your prayer up, you could be invincible. <laughs> like you couldn't take damage. Like I could be. I was like level thirty when I beat the dragon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh yeah, I think I was. I was like almost a level fifty by that time. Yeah, but I, I had my prayer up because all I did was kill chickens and bury bones, like mm-hmm. for hours of my life, like just kill chickens, kill, and then bury. Kill. And uh, yeah, so I was a monk. Man, I wish I was young enough to not care about grinding anymore. <laughs> yeah. I still have to do level grinding. Last day that I played Guild Wars, which was actually not too, too long ago, I went up something like ten levels in one day. Yeah. Cool. But I was also doing a bunch of stuff, like daily... Let's see, I got my monthlies that day, um, as well as finished the dailies, did some story quests, played a lot with friends, and did some... Um, did some nasty dungeons, did, um, well, we did AC, uh, which is Ascalonian Catacombs, on story mode for one of our newer guys. And then we did it on explorable mode, and holy hell is that thing difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't do dungeons. That's what we're so excited about this new adventuring box. Or, uh, <laughs> what's it called? Fire something. Super adventure box. No? Okay, I was wrong. Oh, there is a living story thing, the molten flame or something. Yeah. Ice and fire. It's basically an 8-bit video game that actually looks pretty sweet. Yeah, it's very Um, cool. So speaking of all of this, what's your favorite game of all time? Yes. Uh, 
favorite game of all time, it probably have to be Counter Strike. Um, wow. That game has worn with time very well. Like it, when it came out, like when I first started playing it, like two thousand two, um, it was amazing, and I still think it's amazing today. Like um, I still, it's one of the staples of hanging out with friends. This Counter Strike, because it runs. We talking about like one point six, the uh, old old one. One point something. I don't. I don't have the latest first one. Okay. That. Um, but it runs on anything. Like it. it oh yeah. Thrown in a thumb drive. Run, run on anything. Run on any. Uh, platform with emulation very well. It's it's amazing, and I I've, I've played with people who've gotten scary good, where they can just like snap fire without scopes and just kill people. It, it's uh kind of lame, but yeah. So I, I got to say Counter Strike. It's the best. It is a wonderful game. I remember uh, was well yeah junior high was when we did a lot a lot of things because we were doing the History Day thing. And yes. History Day was just Counter Strike Day. Pretty much. And all the zombies, mm-hmm. pretty much. We, we we had a zombie mode. How many could it could the server handle at once? Was it like twenty eight, and then the 29th would just spawn and then die right away? Like that's right. Like it would just cre- you could make fifty bots and it would just kill the server because like all the map chat would just be like, oh, I'm so angry, I'm dead. You guys are hacksars, and it was all the bots making fake chatter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and then of course all the bots were. Given only not knives and only knives, and yeah. it was pretty wonderful. Yeah, I remember that one time you were like on a box, and then you're like letting all the guys come to you, and so I ran with my knife out, and everybody was trying to knife you, um, and you thought I was just a bot, and then I got you with the Desert Eagle. Yeah, I love cheating. I hate you. That wasn't cheating. That was just disguising yourself well. Yeah. That's like in a game of tag when somebody asks you, "Are you it?" and you say no, and then you tag them. You butt. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, it was intelligent. I'll, I'll give you that. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should play a game of this after... Well, I don't have it, or we don't have the setup for it. Well, but get you a mouse and we can just yeah. play it here. I'm sure we can play Counter-Strike Source. Counter-Strike Source? On the that? fringe? Uh, what do you mean, counter What do you mean, what's Counter-Strike Source? It's the version that's in the Source engine. Mm, never heard of it. Don't tell me that you ha- don't know what the source engine is. No idea. That's the that's the game engine that Valve has been using since Half Life Two. He's pulling my leg, isn't he? I, I, He's got that why smile I didn't on his face. Be on the gaming show because I don't know anything about gaming. <laughs> Alrighty. Ian, I think the next one's yours. Yep. All right. So, what game do you hate the most? Huh. The game I hate the most has got to be Pikmin One, because um, uh, I can never beat it. Oh. I've, that's one of the games I've tried the hardest to beat, and I could never beat. Because um, like, the game was hilarious, but I'd, I like taking my time and like making like you could do you could beat the missions with like ten little guys following you, but it'd be hilarious when you have a hundred thousand. Um, I always tried to get the Pikmin cap to do every task, and I always lost. And then I'd run through water, and they'd all die, and I hated it. Yeah, it's too hard. I remember one time I did that, and then I just ended up deciding to go and fight one of the big fat things mm-hmm. by myself because all my Pikmin had died. I actually lived. I killed it. Amazing. She get an achievement. Or oh, they don't have achievements for those games. No. So. Uh-oh. No achievements. No. And then I had to run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, my uh, gaming history. Good. Sweet. Yeah. What? <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Not worrying. Alright, so on to our headline section, which is not called the lightning section, but it is exactly like the lightning section, except that we don't talk about them. 
So you just read what's written. Pretty much. I mean, like, well, what's written is like in my words. But if you want to put your own spin on it, you know that you know, you say whatever you want to say. I'll purposely mispronounce things so it sounded like I wrote it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Perfect. Ooh, 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 do a French accent. <laughs> Alright, so, first item. The Arcos Gamepad is now available for $180. It's a 7-inch Android tablet with analog sticks and buttons attached uh, to it for gaming. Uh, well, not attached, but, you know, built in. So, basically, it looks like an oversized Game Boy Advance. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And for that cheap, I mean, well, as long as it, like, actually works, that'd be decent. Yeah. Well, okay, if he's going to have to do a French accent... Actually, I think he'd probably do better with a Russian accent, knowing him. Yet. Yet. Okay. <laughs> um, which, which, which accent should I do? I don't, I, you, you do Scottish all the time. All right, fine, then I'll do Scottish. Net game. The game we interviewed Joan Gosling about in episode 28 has finished its Kickstarter. They got 36,000, which is well over their goal of 16,000. Because of this, there will be more content, a war room, and a mobile version of the game. The game is also on stream on Steam Greenlight, so be sure to go and vote on it there. Also, on a side note, um, uh, he'll actually be getting some more funding. He said up on the comments that uh, he'll be doing something with PayPal because there were some people who who are having trouble paying through Kickstarter and everything like that. So it's going to get actually more funding than thirty six thousand because there's an extension on it through the PayPal thing, and so we might actually get all the stretch goals, or at least up to the 38,000 one, which got uh, another extra thing which lets you uh, explore more into the um, backstory behind everything that was going on. So much for lightning. Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, oh I'll Google you sexy wanker. I, I <laughs> couldn't have said it any better. Seriously, though, this is America. But don't you love America. my accent? I love it, yes. Right, so, <laughs> Matthew, you're on the next one, right, right here. This one. Yes, Man, so, our resident mail-order Russian bride. I should really <laughs> try that. I gotta try that. that. That is how you meet women, Matthews. You have to order them through the mail. <laughs> what if they come dead? Then I have a pile of paperwork I gotta fill out. I gotta submit another one, and then you simply send it back. But it's posted. <laughs> it's under warranty, right? I hope so. Better be delivered as living. I paid for this, wife. Damn it! I want good product. Yeah, like I remember, like reading in the back of Boy's Life, they had like the geckos that were always promised to be living, and I always wanted to get one of those. Yeah. So wait, what if she comes and like, you know, then she, then you install her, and then she starts smoking? What then? Wait, you have to install her. That might be a little bit difficult, <laughs> especially if she's not supported by the by the. Um, yeah, I hope she can grow a beard. Uh, that'd be that's on my list of requirements. What would her name be? I'm trying to if come up with a joke about drivers, but nothing's. I can't think of anything. Well, she'll finally have all the right ports. <laughs> Either way, Wizard Wars has been announced, and it's going to be a four-on-four player um, versus game, and it's developed by Paradox North. By the way, this was from Magica. Uh, yeah. That this was coming from. You just said. Yeah, are you excited? I've only played a little bit of Magica, but it's it seems really fun. I haven't explored all the possibilities of it, but it's it's a lot of combinations that looks really interesting. So that could be interesting. The Uya already has a few emulators sub- submitted for review. Believe it or not, 
So they're capable of playing NES, SNES, and N64 ROMs, and the company will actually make them available on their store as long as they don't come with the games themselves, which would definitely be illegal. Totally. Also, I just remembered something from Magicka Wizard Wars. Well, just from Magicka. One of the most annoying spells that they give you the ingredients for right away that's really annoying is called Crash to Desktop. Where you cast it on anything and then they automatically get bumped out of the game because they crash the desktop. So that could be extraordinarily, uh, well, just a huge pain in the ass if you happen to do that on that one. But as well, um, uh, I remember the first time I was playing the game, I actually gave up because I was in the middle of a quest and then I accidentally cast it on the person who I had to talk to in order to finish the quest. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, it works on NPCs too. You can cast it on anything, and so I was just like, "Well, oh, what if you accidentally cast it on yourself?" Well, then I feel sorry for you. Well, but I mean, like, does, to it play act- the does it game. actually does it actually close the game and bring you back to the desktop? Probably. Wouldn't surprise me. Why does it smell like garlic salt even stronger now, Matthew? You decided to smell more, Matthew. Because of Google knows. Google, Google knows is letting you smell it. All the garlic salt everywhere. Oh, golly. <laughs> my, my nose, it smells stale. All right. Limbo is being ported to the Vita. Get on it, PlayStation. Well, turns out the internet was right again. Phantom Pain, the game that had a trailer at the VGAs, is actually Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, which was announced at uh, PAX, is also Metal Gear Solid Five, but is a prequel to Phantom Pain. Confused? Me too. It's, it's pronounced Pax. I see it character by character by character. Scottish, as if the Scottish know how to pronounce anything. Sure better do than you do, you bloody Americans. Bloody Yanks. Right. Telltale is working on The Wolf Among Us, an episodic adventure set in the Fables comic book universe, which is published by DC. And it'll be a prequel to the comics. Besides, a Scotsman can hold our liquor down far better than you, Yanks. Right. So, unfortunately for Nintendo, either Unreal Engine 4 nor Frostbite 3 will be supported on the Wii U. Of course, developers are always free to port games running on the engines to the Wii U. EU, uh, EA also isn't bringing Battlefield 4 to the Wii U, which probably has to do with Nintendo refusing to have Origin as their multiplayer platform. Uh, the Miiverse is getting smartphone and web browser versions in the next couple of months, and a 3DS version is also in development. Isn't it funny that they don't have the Miiverse on the 3DS already? It, it really like, is. You, you'd think that that would be like the second thing that they did, but it's not. The Wii U is also uh, getting JavaScript tools called the Nintendo Web Framework to make it easier for web developers to, to make apps. Okay, now I'm excited. Poker Night at the Inventory, and now this is the one that I'm excited about. Poker Night at the Inventory was a great game that mashed up a bunch of characters from different nerdy franchises. So what it was in the original game is it was Max from Sam and Max. Um, uh, was it? Oh yeah, it was Max. Yeah. Strong Bad from Homestar Runner, Tycho from Penny Arcade, and the Heavy Weapons Guy from well Team Fortress Two. Uh, this new one has been announced. Pokemon Night Two has been announced, and we have some screenshots with new characters, which include Portal's Glados, the Venture Bros Brock, Borderlands Claptrap, as well as Mad Moxie. Uh, Evil Dead's Ash and Sam from Sam and Max are shown. So they're finally getting the other one in there too. So now it's not just a weird rabbity thing. It's just now it's a dog as well. Yeah, sounds fun. You can smell fear. 
Everywhere. Uh, SimCity highways can be built extremely high. Um, and there's a link in the show notes if you want to see a video about these people who made a roller coaster um, that's just out of highways. And planes can fly underneath it. It's, it's ridiculously high. You should go watch that video, everybody. Uh, it shows like something Matthew would do just for shits and giggles. <laughs> I remember playing Roller Coaster Tycoon and like dropping people from high heights. <laughs> that, that's not surprising. Yeah. And did they like sue you for that? They're dead, and it's a game. That's too hard. Well, to I mean, but what, what were the ramifications like? You know, that can't be good for business if people are hearing about this thing that drops you. Well, Roller Coaster Tycoon was like for like 95, and they didn't think about all those things back then. What, it wasn't a oh. complete and like total simulation of the world? Not back in those days. Darn. Papo and Yo is currently a PSN exclusive, but it will soon be, soon be coming to Steam. This game is a uh, metaphor for the game creator's experiences with an alcoholic father, and it sounds like a really, really powerful narrative. Hmm. I want, I want to play it. Let's. I'm going to click on that link. That sounds interesting. Well, can you read the next one before you read that? Fine. Epic and Mozilla are working together to bring Unreal Three to browsers. Seems like an odd choice since Unreal 3 is already available on PC and Mac, but it could be useful for Chrome OS's viability. Well, Google is coming out with a YouTube live streaming API that makes it easier for developers to incorporate it into their games. This is obviously an attempt to um, compete with more directly with Twitch? What's that? Twitch TV? Never heard of it. It's a website where people live stream their gaming I'm, I'm and not you a can watch. Player. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't watch things on Twitch either. We thought about using it for a while. Yeah, but it's more for like live streaming than for like actually recording us doing things and then uploading it, which yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. So have we found anything that would let us do that yet? Oh, I've stopped thinking about that because I don't have time anymore. Fine. Maybe I'll look into it over this next week. I might have a little bit of extra time. Do it up. So, Square Enix is expecting extraordinary loss in this fiscal year that uh, actually just finished today, um, despite the fact that Tomb Raider was the best-selling game in that series so far. I know. And Tomb Raider was amazing, which uh, I'll go over later. Yep. Um, anyway, but their CEO, Yoichi Wada, has resigned, and he is being replaced by Yosuke Matsuda, their current representative director. Uh Transistor is going to be a turn-based strategy game. It's going to be super cool. Indeed. The Witcher 3 will have 36 possible endings, depending on the choices that you make throughout the game, and there will be three different playable epilogues as well. Holy crap! I I finished, um, as you well know, I finished um, Brainwork. The first... um, Witcher? Oh no, I didn't, haven't finished the first Witcher. I finished Tomb Raider uh, within one and a half days. It wasn't necessarily a very long game, but it was a very fun game. Um, and then you told me that I should move on to... Um, uh, I know I see it, Matthew. Um, but then you told me I should move on to The Witcher next, and so I'm starting that, and I'm definitely going to have to work through that, because that sounds very interesting. It seems like a very story-based game because the gameplay doesn't necessarily seem as interactive and dynamic as most games are today. Uh, but we'll go over that once I've finished it. Yeah. Also, the voice acting is rather crappy. Based. Really? <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. In the first Witcher, it's it's just it's it's subpar. It's, yeah. But we'll talk about that later. All right. So. 
And now we have a video for you all to uh, li- well listen to while we watch. <laughs> um, Outlast is a game that was demoed at PAX East, and it is terrifying. All right, Ryan, are you in the YouTube app? Awesome. So according to uh, a few people who got to play it, it's kind of a a mashup of like Amnesia's uh, you know setting and um, the uh, the Mirror's Edge gameplay, which should be really interesting. Crazy laugh ready as soon as the like the idea of the uh, the camera you know as as your night vision
great. Oh, God, why? Me neither. Unfortunately, I can't hear anybody anymore. <laughs> well, Thanks, Matt. You just got to listen to me now. Uh, World of Tanks uh, Blitz is coming to Android and iOS, and it'll feature seven-on-seven seven battles, and it's going to be awesome. Xbox Live Rewards are uh, getting a play-to-earn model this month. By buying and playing uh, Xbox Live Arcade games, you get rewards like free Avatar items, free months of Xbox Live Gold, and Microsoft points. Yay. Uh-huh. They're finally learning. Kind of. So kind here's, of. here's a cool story, bros. A guy who came to America with his parents when he was one met the requirements for the Deferred Action Program, which would, uh, which would allow him to become a legal resident. In order to prove that he had been living in the U.S. since 2007, he used his Xbox Live history. Cool. Uh, Crytek U.S., um mostly made up of ex-Vigil developers, is looking to recover the rights for Darkseid's franchise. Be, oh, God, that would be beautiful if it was made by Crytek. Wouldn't it? I would sit there and drool all day. <laughs> well, especially since, you know, it's the same people who made the other Darksiders games anyway. Yeah, even more so. I'm excited. So the Game Design Challenge at the uh, Games Developers Conference always results in some very unique game ideas. This year's theme was Humanity's Last Game. Jason Rohrer designed a board game that he has never played because he used an AI to playtest it, built it out of titanium, and then buried it somewhere in the Nevada desert. And each person who was at the presentation got an envelope with 900 sets of GPS coordinates, and he estimates that it will take a couple of thousands year, a couple thousand years for the game to be found. So whoever finds it will be a geocaching legend. That's pretty intense. He said that he was um, inspired by you know the the people who were architects for the you know giant cathedrals and whatnot in in Europe who knew when they designed it that it was going to take longer than their lifetime to complete, so they would never actually get to see their finished work. Yeah. You want to go uh, and have a trip out to the desert? with a ge- <laughs> Go geocaching for a while. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll be there for a little while. Take a year off of college. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of uh, holes. Digging up those holes, digging. Digging up those holes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright, so, oh, there's another video. A new tech demo for Unreal 4 has been released in Filtrator. Oh, God. It looks really cool. We're about to watch it. I'm down.
we put on a little grenade launcher. No. So I have two things that I want to say about that. A, I think that my computer can run that, so it's not very next generation. <laughs> and B, that sound design was beautiful. The whole game is gorgeous. Well, it's not. It's not going to be a game. I know. I wish it was. Yeah. So, from Magicka, Wizards of the Square ta- uh, Tablet is available for Android and iOS. The cost is one ninety nine. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Matt. I literally converted from one ninety nine to two dollars and put two dollars in the show notes, and then you go and say one ninety nine. I'm sorry, one ninety eight. No. Well, now now you're just straight up lying because you're saying that it's a dollar le- or a cent a cent less than it actually is. No, it's a dollar less. It's, it's dollar actually ninety nine cents. Fifty percent off all the time, especially if you buy it. For me. Oh, yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally have access to your uh, Apple ID account thing. It's totally. really easy to get these days. Well, the, Ian, do you have two-factor authentication enabled? Nope. Ah, I didn't think so, because he's a lazy bum. Because he's Scottish. I mean, what do you expect me to do? I sit around the, the house drinking my scotch all day, wishing I was in a different place. Oh, Ian, would, would you like to have it patched? Oh, always. <laughs> Just make sure okay. you keep the little specks on there intact. There's memories. Matt, do you have something to share? Um, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I got this thing, and I see this commercial for butts and legs. Um, the world of leggings, uh, worldofleggings.com. And Ryan hands it to me, I'm like, wow, am I supposed to look at this chick's butt? And then he scroll down, and then there's my hero, RMS. Is he looking right. Like, looking Who's at RMS? Richard uh, Matthew Stallman. Uh, he's the creator of the GNU system. Sweet. Linux wouldn't work without him. Ah, okay. He's amazing. And butts and legs. And butts. That's what Ryan wanted me to take away from it. I mean, you can't go wrong with if there's a fine ass involved. <laughs> no, you can't go wrong when Stallman's involved. Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus went into Jerusalem on one. That worked out well for him, right? Dead ass. <laughs> Oh, by the way, happy Easter. Oh, yes, happy Easter for the next hour and a half. And then it's... <laughs> then I don't know what day it is. Just beware. Watch your back, your front, your sides, and your arts tomorrow. And the internet. There's good stuff on the internet tomorrow. <laughs> so, I have a little review for you guys. And it's a little of a lot of review, because Bioshock Infinite was great. Holy crap. Yeah, I, have I haven't... Yeah. I haven't gotten sucked into a game as much as Bioshock Infinite since I played Half-Life 2. That's how good this game was. Um, and of course, you know, back when I played Half-Life 2, my mom, seeing that I, uh, you know, was was playing way too much of Half-Life 2, banned me from video games for two weeks, and that was terrible. But uh, it allowed me to be productive. However, my mom's not here right now. So what do you think happened to me uh, right after Bioshock Infinite was released? Did you beat it first day? You did great in all your classes. Kept totally on your work. What classes? What are you talking about? (laughs) No, so so the game came out at 11 o'clock on Monday evening, right? Yes. And I finished it 38 hours later at 1 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. And in those 38 hours, I had spent 13 hours in the game. That is a third of my time. That's more time than I spent sleeping. I just couldn't put this game down. And even when, even when, you know, I had to go and, like, eat or, you know, go to a really important class or sleep or something, 
I, I was still thinking about the game because I couldn't get it out of my head because it was so awesome. Um, but you guys don't really want to hear about all that. You want to hear more about the game, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so Bioshock, obviously, it's a first-person shooter. It's single-player. It's linear, and it's story-based. Um, Bioshock Infinite takes it takes place up in this floating city of Columbia. Um, that's kind of it, it was founded by these kind of crazy religious fanatics who worship the uh, the founders of the United States. Um, and you know, when I first heard about this game, I was kind of worried that it, it was going to have like some you know, bad religious undertones, but it doesn't really because their religion is kind of ridiculous. So making fun of them is okay. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the story, the story is that you are Booker DeWitt, who used to be, um, a Pinkerton, and he is a U.S. Cavalry veteran, and he's got a pretty colored past, and he, you know, would rather kind of wipe the slate clean, uh, if he could, you know, he's kind of, he's trying to atone for the things that he's done in his life, um, and he's in debt to the wrong people, so, you know, so they send him up to Columbia, and, you know, they tell him, bring us the girl and wipe away the debt. That's kind of the phrase that you hear over and over is bring us the girl, wipe away the debt. And so that's, that's your mission during, throughout the game. And the girl of course is Elizabeth who after you, you know, go and get her, you, you find her after about like three hours in the game, two and a half. Um, you find her, you get her out of, out of the tower that she's being locked up in. And, uh, you, you start running around the city with her trying to find a way out of the city. But of course, nobody wants to let you escape because because Comstock, who's kind of the leader of the city, uh, she's the key to his plan to punish the world for their sins. Um, yeah, really kind of a creepy guy. And there's there's this whole story behind like, you know, how how uh, he's he's the great prophet and uh, she's you know, she's his daughter. And she apparently, you know, went through like a uh, a seven week uh, gestation or a seven seven day one week gestation period, and then was just born, uh, which makes no sense. Um, the woman's body would have exploded. Oh boy, yeah. Or the baby would would have just been dead. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, this, I think it might still be a zygote at that time. <laughs> in the general, anyway. But yeah, so I was kind of worried that the that you know the whole game was just going to be an extended uh, uh, escort mission, you know, and I would have to be protecting it the whole time. But that's not the case at all. She can't be she can't be harmed, you know, by combat or anything like that. Uh, she takes care of herself. I don't have to like make sure that she's following me or anything. Uh, she, you know, they they really really concentrated on making her AI believable, and they did a lot of work with the motion capture to make sure that she moves naturally. You know, the the decisions that she makes are uh look normal and i mean i couldn't i couldn't tell that she was an ai frankly what was that nothing my bad (laughs) (laughs) i had to fart (laughs) um yeah and actually she's really useful because you know when you're just walking around exploring she'll occasionally find cash like who knows where she found the cash but you know she tosses you money which is which is nice. Um, who knows where she got that cash? If you know who what I mean. knows. <laughs> okay, I was going more for like she rummaged in trash cans or something. But okay, if you Apparently, know what I mean. Elizabeth is a prostitute now. That I turn true. around for I turn around for two seconds and boom, she just you know she has cash from. Right. They call um, them quickies for a reason. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> also in the middle of combat. 
Uh, you know, if you're like running low on health, sometimes she'll find a med pack and she'll throw you the med pack and, you know, replenish your health. Or if you're, you're burning through ammo, she'll find uh, a few clips of whatever weapon you're using and she'll toss you that so that you don't run out of ammo. And it's really, really useful. Like she's gotten me out of quite a few situations that I wouldn't have survived otherwise. Um, and then also she has kind of this ability. They, they show it off in a lot of the trailers. Um, where she can open tears to other parallel worlds, um, you know, so they're like alternate reality kinds of things. Uh, the, one of the examples was uh, she opens up a tear to somewhere like in Paris, uh, where in front of a theater where the Revenge of the Jedi movie is uh, is playing. Hmm. Yeah, completely different, you know, probably a completely different timeline, um, you know, different different world. And that comes into gameplay in the form of in these you know in these big kind of battle arenas that you encounter every so often. Uh, there will be several items that she can bring into the world, and you choose which one of those items you want. Uh, so you know she can like bring in uh, some cover or you know uh, some med kits or a turret to help you out or whatever. I always go for the turrets whenever I can because then other people shoot at them and not me. Turrets. It's wonderful. Um. So yeah, and she's she's honestly. She's honestly a joy to be around. Like when when uh, there were a few times throughout the story where she gets mad at Booker, and I felt really bad, even though I hadn't done anything. You know, me myself hadn't done anything to anger her. But she, when when she was mad at Booker, I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Just be careful. Come back. Don't let Kaylin play this game, otherwise she might get jealous." <gasps> well, hopefully she bonds with Elizabeth as well. Um. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that Kaylin would want to, you know, take the time to play this entire game because she she hasn't finished Portal One yet. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, and so so the whole alternate realities thing um, that kind of comes into play throughout the story quite a few times uh, in different forms. So, like for example, uh, the the technology that allows Columbia to you know float in the air. It's not like balloons or anything like that. It's not steampunk. It's quantum mechanics, quantum entanglement. Yeah. So, so it's like this guy's intelligent or anything. <laughs> it's hard science, uh, which was kind of unexpected. I was definitely expecting it to be more of a steampunk kind of thing, um, but no, quantum entanglement into alternate realities. That's what's going on behind the scenes here. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of the rabbit hole that they take you down uh, it, throughout the story. Um, Gameplay-wise, uh, I think that they really, they, they took the improvements that they made in Border, uh, Bioshock 2. Wow, did I just say Borderlands 2? Uh, Bioshock 2 and kind of brought them into this game and improved further on that. So you remember how in, in Bioshock, have you played Bioshock yet, Ian? A little bit. A uh, little bit of the first one. I haven't done the second one as of yet. Okay, so you, so you remember how, you know, you could only, you, you had your weapons and then you had your plasmids and you could only be using one at a time, you'd have to switch between them? Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Bioshock 2, you know, they, they allowed you to kind of dual wield one weapon and one plasmid. Well, now, uh, you can still, you can still dual wield one weapon and one vigor, which is what they call plasmids now. And then you also have another button that is dedicated for melee. Ooh. And in the other two games, you know, you had to either wrench. equip the uh, the pipe wrench or the drill, uh, you know, in order to melee people. But in this one, you've got the sky hook in your left hand, which A, allows you to melee people whenever you want to, and B, lets you use the skylines. And the skylines are the other big gameplay improvement, and they are awesome. 
So they're, you know, they're these kind they're how should I describe this? They're like rails. They're like train track train tracks that are, you know, going through through the sky. Zip basically. Lines. Yeah, zip lines. Sure. Yes, exactly. And so the sky hook is like this kind of rotating hook thing um, that lets you grab onto those and zip around and it adds verticality to the game, so you really have to pay attention to who's above you, and you can also take advantage of that to get above enemies and get the drop on them, literally, because when you're zipping around, you can, you know, aim at an enemy and hit the dismount button, and you'll, you know, fly fly down on them and just knock them off. Um, and if you're if they're like near a ledge or something, you can just knock them right off of the world. And I th- I think there's like an achievement for killing 30 people that way or something like that, you know. Hmm. Um, and then. Yeah, so so that's a lot of fun. Um, also, I think Irrational learned um, a lesson or two from from the response that they got for that first um, that first boss battle at the end of Bioshock One. They didn't have any boss battles in this game. They just have like huge encounters with more enemies than usual, uh, and you know, big big kind of set pieces, um, which was a lot of fun, a ton of fun. Um, yeah. And I don't really, I don't want to ruin, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you guys, but the end is a kicker. It is, it is unbelievably crazy. And I don't know anybody else who has finished the game, so I can't talk to anybody else about the, the ending, and it is driving me insane. So somebody needs to go buy the game, and, and, so I can talk to them. So How I can much talk the game to somebody cost? about it. 60. It, it costs $60, and, in my opinion, it is definitely worth sixty dollars. And where can somebody get this? Is it like a Steam only thing, or um, the PC version uses Steam as its kind of DRM? Um, so if you buy it on disc, uh, I think you will have to authenticate it with your Steam account, but that's fine. Um, what if I have a passion against Steam? Well, then you're a crazy producer blog or a uh, studio guy who doesn't know what he's talking about because he's not a real gamer. Kind of. I'm I'm looking at my logging into my okay. I have two hundred and fifty dollars in my checking account. And I by the way, I was really, really glad that uh that I got the pre order. Thank you very much, Ian. That was the best Christmas present I think I got this year. Uh because um, you know, it got me Bioshock one, a bunch of TF two items, and XCOM Enemy Unknown, and I used XCOM Enemy Unknown and Bioshock One to trade Katie for Tomb Raider because she had an extra copy of Tomb Raider, uh, and so I traded her those, and now I have two games for the price of none because Ian pre-ordered it for me. So I paid sixty bucks, and you got one hundred and ten dollars worth of games. I'd say that was a pretty good Christmas. That gift. was a pretty good Christmas <laughs> gift, and they're both absolutely incredible games. I love Tomb Raider. Oh, and one more thing: um, there, there is there's some DLCs that are coming out, and obviously, since this is a purely single player game, um, you know there'll be story based ones. You know, adding new characters and stuff, and um, and so. I like the game enough that I went and got the third, you know, the season pass, which costs thirty dollars, and it, you know, gives you forty dollars worth of DLC for thirty bucks. And so I'll let you guys know how that is. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> Talisman's not important. Cha. Umo gwe Umo me sao. Anyway, um, what was I saying? (laughs) Right. Uh, So there's these two characters who pop up repeatedly throughout the game, 
And uh, they uh, they remind me of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And it cracked me up every time that they showed up. Ian, you remember that play, right? Yes. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that a great play? Y'all should go read Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Well, go go read Hamlet and then read Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And all the hilarity shall ensue. Indeed. Do you want to be Rosencrantz or Guildenstern? Uh, I, I want to be the one who always calls heads. Damn it. <laughs> Go away. Oh, it doesn't matter in the end. We, we, we seem to, we start forgetting which one of us is which, so. Right. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Okay. So I hear that you've been playing, uh, Tomb Raider. Yes. Well, you spent 13 hours on Tomb Raider, on, uh, Bioshock. Bioshock. I spent 12 and a half on Tomb Raider, and that was just on the single player. I didn't even touch the multiplayer, of which there is. Oh yeah, is. there's multiplayer. Yeah. So, um, the game was, uh, well, obviously Tomb Raider and a reboot of the Tomb Raider series. And it was a prequel, um, that followed Lara Croft, not Laura, Lara, L-A-R-A, not L-A-U-R-A, Lara Croft. Oh God, why? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Ryan! Our, our ghost is spamming spyware. Um. But it's the prequel to Lara Croft in showing her first real adventure uh, before she gets into the main game that started everything. Um, so the game starts out with you are leading this expedition with members of what seem to be a really familiar crew. They seem to have known your father and have known you all since you were growing up. In fact, one of the characters, you were entrusted to him to be raised like his daughter. Um and you're following this myth uh, that comes from your best friend, Sam. Your best friend, Sam, is descended from supposedly the sun goddess. Uh, Does your best friend, Sam, sit around doing C++ all day <laughs> and not being on shows? No, and she, she, she would probably fail at C++. <laughs> so I guess that makes her a little bit closer to our Sam. But Wait a minute. I just made a universe joke, which means that there has to be a new universe episode. Probably. Let's go check the website, guys. Well, why don't you guys do that a little later? Oh my gosh! They're all universes! What? <laughs> what, 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 what? Anyway, so no, this Sam doesn't do that. This Sam is... <laughs> oh god, why? <laughs> Wait, had you not checked the, the website before? No, yet? I did. It's just... <laughs> not, not Now our ghost has left and our, our, our guest has done something <laughs> instead. Spyware in Russian. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, <laughs> so ignoring them. Um your uh friend Sam is supposedly descended from um Queen Himiko who was uh known as the Sun Queen and ruled over Yamatai and there are all these myths surrounding her like she was able to control the storms um and she controlled this army that was basically unbeatable that was called the Storm Guard. Um, so, bunch of ancient I wouldn't mind myths. having them on my side. No, no, I wouldn't mind have had, I wouldn't not have minded having them on my side either. Um. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah, well, I'll explain why in a little while. Um, but so, and you're going towards this island, or towards this area that's known as, uh, it's like the Dragon's Tooth or something like that? I don't remember exactly, but, uh, it makes... The, um, uh, it makes GPS the Bermuda compasses. Triangle. It ah. makes the Bermuda Triangle look like a cakewalk. 
Fun. And because anytime any, it's rumored that anytime any storm, or not any storm, any sort of vessel approaches there, there's a storm will come up and will strike it down. It's known as a graveyard. And when you get to the island, this becomes very apparent because there's relics, um, and like airplanes and wreckage that date, well, from ancient Japan. Uh, you find stuff from World War II in there from both Germany, U.S. and what? I see. Whose idea was it to go there? Uh, like this seems like the dumbest idea anybody's had in a very long time. Well, the the the, the guy who's on the ship, who's piloting the ship, says if it's wet, I can get you there. There was that, and then Laura. Right? Is that a sexual reference? Is that an innuendo? I didn't think of it that way, but it wouldn't surprise me because that just that sounds perfect. Um. Yeah, that would be perfect. Give me a sec. This is the example sentence to use for spyware in Russian. Uh, what does it say? American student Jeffrey Nolko revealed the presence of spyware mechanism in, in the Chinese version of Skype. <laughs> now, so getting back to the actual show... Right. Um... And Laura decided that it would be a good idea to go there because mo- the majority of our myths have some sort of meaning and truth. So she thought that it was just lots of storms in the area. Um, well, she, yeah, she thinks that there's just lots of storms in the area and um, it wouldn't necessarily be that big of a deal. And no one had ever actually found it before. So that's why she decided to <laughs> um, go there. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew's getting weird, old, nasty crap on his hands. And I'm glad I don't have any distractions faces. in this room. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, okay, so the game starts out with, of course, your ship getting hit with a storm, and it breaks in half. You jump across to try and catch the captain's hand, which is all included in the trailer, basically. He slips, you fall, and you um, wind up on shore. Um, and... You see the other survivors, but before you can get a hold of them, you get knocked out. And you wake up hanging upside down in a bag, hanging, I don't know, 60 feet up off the floor. That's a ways. Yeah. That's a, that's a very long ways. Yeah. I know. And you end up freeing yourself, only in your intelligence, you forget that there's no floor beneath you. And you fall down, land on a piece of rebar that goes through your side. Um. Uh, wait, she falls six stories and... Gets pierced through the side with a piece of rebar. I mean, that doesn't sound like it's survivable. Not in real life, but there, she she survives a whole hell of a lot of shit. Basically, the the game consists of her getting beat up all the time, and then you just saying, "How the hell is she not dead yet?" And then moving on to the next part of her getting beat up. Well, and then when she does die, it's pretty gruesome too. <laughs> oh yes, I hear. Yeah, um, we'll we'll get to that in a couple. Um, so. You fall onto that, and then you escape out of this place, and you find, um, all the while, uh, yeah, ignore that bit. Um, you escape <laughs> out of this place, you'll, you'll, you'll see when you guys play the game. Um, you escape out of this place, and you find yourself on the island, and then, of course, it's trying to find the other survivors, and trying to find a way off the island, and you run into a whole bunch of problems, and this and that, and this and that, and eventually, yeah. You do escape at the end, of course. Spoiler. Well, thanks for ruining it for me. It's not Ugh. as if this was a prequel or anything. You knew that that would happen. No, no. I thought that all the other games took place on that same island. Oh, totally. Forever and ever. Amen. Um, 
Also, somehow, her boobs just grow. Oh, of course. Nice feature. (laughs) (laughs) In a future update, boob size increased. Oh, God. But, um, so, again, the whole story played out similar to that of, like, a thriller movie or, um... Or like a TV show, sort of like Lost, where it was constantly the main character was getting hurt, was putting in, was being put in dangerous situations, and it felt like you could never, it felt like you were always holding your breath and never let go. Um, so it was enticing in that way, in also in that it wasn't the same bit over and over again. It wasn't you rescue your friends, they get captured again. You rescue your friends, they get captured again. It's no. You find yourself in this situation and you have to get out of it. And then you find yourself in a different situation and you have to get out of it. Then you have to rescue your friends. And um, it's just thing after thing after thing after thing that you have to work through. Um, so speaking of your friends, um, did you really – did you feel like you connected with any of those characters? Lara Croft, obviously. Um, uh, actually, a couple of the characters, I you don't necessarily get that chance to interact with them all that much. Um, but obviously the guy who ends up, uh, who you were entrusted to as if you were his daughter, you get a little bit attached to. Um, and then I personally got attached to, uh, one of the other sidekick characters, but with Lara, well, even then it's not, it's more about suspense as opposed to necessarily the characters. Mm -hmm. It feels like, so there wasn't necessarily as much character development as there could have been. And part of me wishes that there was more um yeah character development is always like my favorite part of a story yeah but it was it was still wonderful um even a little bit that they had and i mean you found out this and that relationships between the crew um like one of the one of the people who's there with you her name is Ray's, um and she has a 14 year old daughter back on the mainland and so you you get to see her stress and her tension with that and then sort of her breaking points and Everything that's going on with that and whatnot. So the majority of the character development is, well, there's partially through your interactions with them, but also throughout the game, you find journals mm-hmm. and it's, it's from everyone from the main bad guy who is this guy by the name of Father Matthias. Um, yeah, uh, Matthias Flath. No. <laughs> <laughs> is he from Alabama? Uh, I don't know, but he's been on the island for 30 years by the time you get there. Um, we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, but from Father Matthias to the archaeologist who you brought along for not only second opinion, but also for publicity, I think, um, uh, shoot, what's his face? The guy who's the great from ba- the core. Well, I was thinking more like the Great Barrier Reef. Sort of person. If you were to take someone like him on an underwater expedition, the Croc Hunter, Jacques Cousteau, or something like that. Oh, him! If you were to t- uh, take someone like him on a journey underwater, it'd be that the equivalent of, of that, but taking a famous archaeologist on to an archaeological dig like this. Okay, and he's okay with being like you know the the second guy. No, he's taking the spotlight. Okay, but uh, everyone else on board seems to have other. Ideas of making sure that Lara gets the credit and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, such good friends. Yes, such good friends. Actually, yeah, very good friends. Um, so from that to people who lived in the time of when 
Himiko was actually around because you do wind up uh, the island is was part of ancient Yamatai, which was where this Sun Queen lived. Um, and so people who were sent there, one of them is one of the more interesting ones for me anyway, was this um, this Chinese ambassador who was actually sent there as a spy uh, to try and cause a little bit of disrest, um, like disrest among the people. Uh, unrest. Unrest. Thank you. Or distress. Um, both. I don't know. Both. I'm a bastardized English language. Well, you were speaking in a Scottish accent. Hey, now. Get on my level. <laughs> um, but so... Uh, Where were we? I don't know. Jacques Cousteau or something. Jacques Cousteau. Oh, yeah. The different uh, scrolls and journals. Chinese. Chinese. Chinese ambassador who was sent there for that um, to one of the priestesses of this lady because they basically worshipped her as their own god. Um, to, yeah, uh, Laura's journals, to crew members' journals. And that's the main way that you see the characterization of each of these people is through those different journals that you find. Um, gameplay, it was all very smooth, in my opinion. Um, it was, there was a lot of linearity, but at the same time, a lot of explorability as well, because you were given the ability to, um, uh, fast travel between different maps and different areas so that you could go back and get the different items that were stuck there. Uh, but at the same time, the game sequence of events kept on pushing you forward. And the map was really good about doing that too, about pushing you forward and making sure that you were going in the right direction. So it was linear, um, which was nice from a storytelling aspect, but so not quite as free world as many of the other big games that are out there. Um, combat was very nice. Um, there were four main weapons that you got through the game. Your bow, the pistol, the shotgun, and the fully automatic rifle. Um, throughout the game, you would find salvage parts, which you could use to upgrade each of those weapons and get them even stronger, uh, oftentimes add different abilities. So like throughout the game, you would find different equipment, a lot of which was used with the bow. Um, so like there were arrows that you could attach ropes to um, or you could get fire arrows, which you could then upgrade into napalm arrows, where you would attach a little, um, like pillbox full of nap or petroleum on the end of it, and you would shoot it, and then it would not only hit them and set them on fire, but it would explode and set fire everywhere. That's always fun. So naturally, the bow was my favorite weapon. You hear that, Matt? Fire! I love fire! It literally drives me crazy. I love it. There were explosions too. I'm happier. You, you, I, I got to get this game. You could get. Uh, bombs on the end of your arrows so you could actually send them off in straight lines and all of a sudden explosion. That sounds pretty awesome. It's not as cool as easy welding people together with a crossbow in Half-Life. This is true. Ooh, that was fun. I love how the, the first time that they give you the crossbow, they give you the opportunity to pin the guy to the billboard. It's like, yes! Mm -hmm. It's satisfying. Alright, um, let's see, but so, and each of these different weapons, of course, had different advantages and disadvantages to using them. Uh, like, the bow didn't necessarily have a high fire rate, but it stuck with my style in that it was um, with a headshot. Any headshot was a one-hit kill. Unless... Naturally. Naturally. Unless they had armor, in which case <laughs> it would take a couple of headshots because you would have to use one, and that would break the armor, and then you could use another one, and then that would kill him. Uh, there were different enemies with different armor class levels. There were some of them that had just like a helmet to prevent a, from a single headshot, but you could hit the body. And then there were some of them that were fully armored. 
Those ones were the most obnoxious, but they took just two close-range shotgun blasts to kill, and done. <laughs> so did the bow kind of let you do more stealth kills? The bow was... Um, you could switch between the different modes, between explosive, fire, and um, regular. And the regular ones, yes, you could do stealth kills that wouldn't draw any attention. So there was a good mix of sneaking about and trying to do things in the right order to not set off any chaos amount. Um, oh, no, chaos. Just like in Dishonored? No, not not, not like that. But Oh, okay. When shit hit the fan, shit hit the fan. And right. spread everywhere. Um. Like, there's this one part of the game where you are you come across this large open area, sort of like a swampy area, and there's guards patrolling it. And the guards have trained wolves. So if you just do stealth kills, then the wolves won't come at all, and you just get the guards and get them out of your way. If you get noticed at all and hear the firing, the wolves will be released then. And all the guards, and there's like ten of them or so, will start coming after you. So... Speaking of trained wolves, you know how you can train dogs in uh, Minecraft? No. Bones? Well, you can. No. Yeah, yeah, you use bones, bones and, on, on them. Yep. And uh, and so then they start following you around. And one time, Kaylin decided to hit me, and then I went and trained a bunch of wolves, and I walked over to her, and they killed her. <laughs> it was hilarious. I didn't mean for that to happen, but it was hilarious. <laughs> I approve. Oh, And how, how, how did she feel about that? Uh, well, she was really confused because she didn't see what had killed her, and I was like, well, my little dogs, they are, know what's best. You are the alpha male. Actually, you are the alpha <laughs> female. Hey, what? <laughs> my name's not Sally. Debatable. Um, so, gameplay was very nice in that, um, and again, it kept everything flowing um, with the linearity Uh Lots of suspense, lots of keeping you going and keeping you absolutely sucked into the game. Um, only down parts that I had, or the only complaint that I had for it was um, the ending was a little bit anticlimactic. Hmm. There are two guys that you really want dead by the end of the game. Uh, one of them dies in sort of a really anticlimactic way, but it makes sense with his character and the way that you've gotten to know him. Um but you didn't actually get to kill him. You just watched. And then... They can't have everything. Uh, yeah. And then the final fight, there was a boss battle right before it that wasn't too, too difficult. Um, and then the final bit was just a giant quick time event. And I didn't feel like they necessarily... Oh, no. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel like they necessarily played on the drama and especially all the tension that they had been building. It felt like they could have done so much more with the end there, just to just sort of have a giant release. And it's just like, oh, God, yes. Um, but instead it's just like, oh, okay. Uh, that being said, just like Mass Effect 3, the ending may not have been the best. And actually, I was fine with the ending of Mass Effect 3. And I was fine with this ending. I just think that they could have done it a little better. Mm-hmm. Um but just like in Mass Effect 3, the game was absolutely brilliant. And cool. the ending should not, although it detracts Detract. from it a little bit, in the overall grand scheme of things, not at all. Uh, just because of the amazingness of the game itself. The, the, game, the game art is gorgeous, by the way. Oh, hey, and you have, you have an AMD chip, right? In your, in your rig? Yeah. 
So you had the fancy hair and everything, right? If I went up to the highest setting. Did did you go up to the highest setting with the fancy hair? I checked it out a couple times, but for the most part, for uh, because my chip is a few years old, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to keep it on the, that level and still have performance issues. It's kind of interesting the different levels that they had of um, of graphics. There was low, normal, high, um, uh, and then two, ultra, ultra, and then one actually above ultra. I'm trying to remember what. Wow. That was. Ultimate. Wow. Huh. And the ultimate one was the only one with the fancy hair, but it was pretty. Yeah, I'm kind of sad because um, you know AMD worked with Crystal Dynamics on the whole hair thing, and so. It's not very well optimized for NVIDIA cards, and so I, like, NVIDIA uh, experience doesn't recommend that I turn on the fancy hair, but I'm going to try it anyway. So it's just like me and Borderlands 2. What's the problem with Borderlands 2? Borderlands 2 was maximized for NVIDIA cards. Oh, I didn't hear about any really real performance issues with it, though, on AMD. Not really performance issues, but they had extra little things that they added just for NVIDIA cards. Interesting. Different little effects. There was something I saw online about that, but even then, uh, it, was pro- it was probably like lots of physics and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so price point. What do you? How much? Uh, how much do you think is reasonable for somebody to pay for that game? I paid fifty bucks. I felt the single player alone was worth fifty bucks. And again, I didn't even touch the multiplayer. It looks like the multiplayer is a lot of hunting and stalking and killing. Because like with the different, um, uh, the different achievements. There was like level 60 and then get caught in someone else's – no, uh, break your way out of a bunch of other people's snares and uh, get other people caught in your snares and stuff like that. So cool. it it looks like it could be really interesting. But I – with a single player alone, $50 was well worth the price. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, while I was talking, uh, Ryan wrote down a couple of other questions that he wanted me to answer um so bioshock infinite uh, he's asking do do i need to play the previous games in order to play bioshock infinite absolutely not um bioshocks one and two took place in uh rapture which is you know a city uh that's under the ocean it's kind of like a kind of like the lost city of atlantis um and the those that storyline is completely separate from this one um so you don't need to you don't need to know anything about that um and also, I've uh, stuck in a link there to Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer uh, playthrough of Tomb Raider uh, because it's hilarious. It is. And he is pretty clueless. He is. But it's all right because it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. That reminds me. Something on there was the deaths that he had gone through and I had mentioned that I would. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had said that I would mention that. Uh, whenever you're just dying and it's in combat, nothing really big happens. But if it's in one of those quick time events and you don't do things properly, um, then it can be absolutely devastating. So there's this one part, and this is the same part that he has in the video. Um, and I, I died once on this part, and it was, it took me a couple seconds to recover just because I was like, oh god, why? Um, and because you're sliding, okay, so you're trying to get this river, and you end up hitting a waterfall that sucks you down. Um, and you go down this river and are avoiding these piles of debris down the river, busting through different, um, barriers that are there and if you um but the piles of debris if you don't successfully evade one of the piles of debris then lara um lara gets pierced through the head through the back of the head 
Well, from her neck up well, to the back it's of the neck. Yeah, it's like through the throat, kind of. Yeah, with a giant spike. It's it's something that would do Dead Space 2 proud. <laughs> so the deaths can get pretty gruesome. And I mean, there was that, and then there was there was a couple, there was a couple ones where it wasn't necessarily as as dignified. Like there was this one time where I misjudged a jump. And so I missed the jump, fell down. She was screaming, ended up hitting the floor of the canyon, which you could see, which was right next to a waterfall. So you see, you, you see her jump off. You hear her scream on the way and it's just like shit. And then you hear her hit the water, the waterfall, um, like the top of the waterfall. And then she grunts when she does that, falls off again and then screams more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things is where it's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Pretty gruesome. Pretty gruesome. Pretty good. Wonderful game. It keeps you engaged. Uh, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly moving. There's no such thing as a dull moment in it. Buy it. So do you get to make decisions in the game, or is it just kind of like a Rails game? Um, it's... You do not get to make conscious decisions in the game. It's okay. it's a very linear game where they have everything mm. set out for you. Okay. Um, Speaking of decisions, I forgot to mention this for Bioshock. Um, there are a few times in the game where you get to make a decision, but it it instead of it affecting you know the plot line of the story, it will affect kind of how something looks throughout the rest of the game. So like for for example, there's this one time when you get to choose um, between these two. Uh, brooches, I guess. Um, you know, one of them has a cage, one of them has a bird, and whichever one you pick, um, then Elizabeth is wearing that one for the rest of the game. Um, mm-hmm. So every, you know, every time you look at her, you get to see that, and it's like, oh yeah, I made that decision. That's my personal touch right there. Um, and there's, there's another, there's another decision that I'm not going to tell you about because it's, I don't want to tell you about it. Good, don't. Yeah, because I'll probably be buying the game tonight and letting it download tonight. And awesome, contacting at you. Spend the next uh, you know couple of days finishing that. Yeah, bye bye Witcher. You're you're getting shelved for now. <laughs> also, I have another game that I need to finish at home because I can only play it at home, and that's Skyward Sword on the Wii. So, but it's not a PC game, so I probably won't review it. Oh, got a thing against Nintendo? I love Nintendo. Are you kidding? Actually. Me? I don't think that we I don't think we've had anybody talk about Skyward Sword on the podcast yet. We should probably have somebody do that. Okay. Next weekend. Even though that came out a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Next Sweet. weekend from someone who's played the majority of the Legend of Zelda games. <laughs> Matt, have you been playing any interesting games lately? Um I had a pretty good run with NetHack. I got all the way down to like thirty five and then I uh was carrying a uh, cockatrice because I was petrifying people, and then I, uh, well, you can, if you, so you carry the monster, and so it's all ASCII, so you got the, your at sign, and then you got the corpse, and then you fall down the stairs, and then you turn yourself to stone. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Oops. Well, that's yeah. bad. We shouldn't do that. No. Isn't a cockatrice like a bird? It's a bird, uh, slash lizard dinosaur thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh. it has a power to petrify people. Oh, right, because that's what the basilisk was based off of. Right. I have no idea about that, but Bat, well, the basilisk, the way that Harry you, Potter, yeah, Harry Potter, the way that you birthed the basilisk was you would um, hatch a chicken's egg underneath a frog. So I did not know that. Yeah, random tidbit. Of the day. I saw a really cool movie today for my first time ever. Which one? I saw The Hobbit. It's of one. course. Yeah. 
Um, I just had to wait for it to, you know, finish downloading at my house. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. Not that through I through Amazon, that right? Yes, through Amazon. Yes. No, they they wanted money for that on Amazon. Well, can you blame them? I mean, it's a really popular movie. I know. I, I was looking forward to seeing that. I can't. I need uh, a good day to Die Hard to come out next because I don't see movies in theaters. It, it's it's weird. You should go to the plaza. The plaza's great. Actually, I take that back. I saw Wreck It Ralph at the Maplewood Plaza. It was my like my first movie I saw since Real Steel. Uh, <laughs> it's a movie. What was that? Two years ago? I don't know. Something like uh, that. The movie sucked, and uh, yeah. I think the last movie I remember seeing in a theater with you was Beowulf 3D. That was like that was so many a years porno. Ago. It pretty much was. It was you a naked Angelina Jolie. I won't. I won't. In 3D. <laughs> in 3D. Yes. I yeah, think no. we actually may have video games that look better than that Beowulf movie now. Yep. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Because well, Mass Effect was basically Xbox graphics just ported to the PC. As in two and three, not yeah, not the first one. Two and three were right. absolutely gorgeous. Crisis 3 looks great. Oh. Bioshock Infinite actually, because of the art style, looks gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I couldn't ask for, for more. I, I wouldn't want it to be photorealistic. It is gorgeous. It's a joy to walk around Columbia and just see all the sights. It is absolutely beautiful. So it's like um, Dishonored then, which was gorgeous in its own way. Yeah, it's, it's like... With a very yeah. unique art style. Very unique art style, but it's like a happy place, and it's all sunshiny. Instead of and there are rats all over the place. <laughs> but I like rats; they're fuzzy. That's one of the that's one of the big things about Bioshock Infinite. The like over Bioshocks one and two is the setting because like I mean Rapture's cool and everything, but it's kind of a depressing place to walk around. Well, yeah. Um. So I think that's all we have to talk about for this week. Uh. Last the little thing we have a little. Uh, special thank you for our public domain u- music, which we've been using uh, since the beginning. You can find it at the uh, the link at the bottom of the page. Yep. Nice little chip tunes. Yep. Have a good week, everybody. See you later. Alligator. Alligator.